It's time to light your brain and heart on fire. Okay, Google, let's get it. You're listening to the Thomas J. Lyon Podcast. Hey, 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 it is Thomas J. Welcome to the Thomas J. Lyon Podcast. So glad you could join us today. We're recording today from the booth inside of the office. Fun, fun, fun. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Thanks for checking us out. As always, glad that you could spend a few minutes of your day with us today. So today we're going to talk about some personal stuff. I'm actually going to talk to you and tell you a little bit about a woman from my past. Oh, scandalous. Well, not that scandalous. Uh, This woman actually was an education professional. Uh, but she was not a teacher. I'm going to refrain from using her name just because I want to be careful here. But I will say, well, we're going to call her, let's just call her, uh, we're going to call her Jill. We're going to call her Jill. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about Jill and tell you who she is and why she matters today. Uh, it's 2021 as we're recording this. At 5.38 p.m. on Monday, March 29th to be exact. Um, but we're going to talk about Jill, uh, who is somebody who was in my life in, oh, wow, let's see, this would have been 1993 through 1996, approximately. My days in middle school was where we met Jill. Uh, but we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about why it's relevant today. Uh, and we're going to talk about um, who in your life played a role in shaping you into who you are, whether you're a leader or a follower or an entrepreneur or not. We all have people in our lives that impact us from time to time. And sometimes we don't recognize the impact of those, those, those people on our lives until later in our own lives when we're, when we're thinking back at different, uh, different moments. So let me set this up for you. We're going to go backwards a little bit. We're going to go backwards. So uh, Jill, uh, was a librarian um, or uh, media specialist, as I believe they're called now. But back in the day, 1993, 4, 5, and 6, we called Jill the librarian. Um, and Jill um, had recently taken the position as a librarian in the school that I attended, the middle school. And uh, she was embarking on a new endeavor. And that new endeavor was digitizing. I think that's what they called it at the time. It's either digitizing or barcoding, one of the two. But in the library that we had, we had those old checkout systems where every book had a little, like a little card pocket on the inside front flap. And inside that card pocket was a card. And for those of you that were born after 1990, this might not make any sense to you. Um, But what we used to do in the library is we would pick out the book that we wanted. And we would pull that little card out of there when it was time to check the book out. And we would write our name on it. Uh, and then we would, uh, they would stamp, uh, like with a little rubber stamp, they would stamp on the card itself when the book was due back to the library. And inside the actual book where the little flap is where this card used to stay, uh, the library would stamp the due date that it's back so you could see it. So you had a record of you having the book and when it was due back and the library, libra- library, the librarian in the library also had a record of you having the book and they knew when it was due back. Well, the task that Jill um, was assigned, and I think this was due to a grant that uh, the school received, 
But the task that Jill had in front of her was she was to barcode and digitize the borrowing system for the entire library. Um, for those of you that know me, you probably know where I went to middle school. So whether you know me or not, uh, I'm going to tell you that the school library was very small, very small. There was not a lot of uh, money to go around in my school district. Uh, and the, because of that, the library that we had was very, very small. Um, I'm not talking 50 books, but I'm not talking, uh, you know, more than 5,000 maybe. So the task that Jill had was to digitize this library by putting barcodes on all of the books and entering, poor Jill, entering the data for all of the books into the computer system, uh, in addition to creating barcodes for all of the students to check the books out. Um, now that I'm older and wiser, and I know a little bit about business and logic and processing, seems to me a pointless project, uh, perhaps not pointless, but sure, very labor-intensive, um, and for what? But that's a story for another day. But Jill um, decided at one point to enlist the nerdiest of us to help in the library to help uh, barcode these books. Not only did Jill enlist the nerdy of us to barcode the books, but she also enlisted us from time to time to help uh, check out books. When we had students that would come to the library and wanted to borrow books, uh, more often than not, particularly in 7th and 8th grade, more often than not, it was a student who would check the books out. Uh, why is that? It's because, man, 1994 5, the computer system was so freaking cool, man. Right? Like, you had this barcode thing. It was like a little magic wand with a Rudolph Red-Nosed Reindeer light on the end of it. It was like a big pen. It had this big, long, curly phone cord type of thing attached to it, um, which much to Jill's dismay, we would take and wrap around various items from time to time. Anyway, um, so it was cool to scan these barcodes and make the thing go beep, just like a checkout beep, beep. And you could, it was just, I don't know, for the nerdiest of us, it was cool because we had an opportunity to play with new technology that we in our rural school community and in the rural community we lived in and grew up in in general, had never seen before. They might have had some of this stuff in the cities, but we certainly didn't have it in rural, western, upstate New York. It wasn't something that we had. So <clears throat> Jill um, kind of became a friend in a way, um, but not in the way that you would think of people being friends, I suppose. Jill gave us, as the nerdiest of the students, gave us an opportunity to play with and experiment with technology. She, she spearheaded a campaign to get more modern computer equipment in our school district, not only in the library, which is where it started, but also into the other classrooms, right? Into all the other classrooms in the school. Uh, after a while, uh, in fact, when I left there in 1996, Virtually all classrooms had computers in them. Now, it wasn't like it is today. Not every student had their own computer. But there were at least one or two computers in every single classroom in this rural upstate western New York uh, school district, which was fantastic. And we were very lucky and very um, happy as students to have these. 
Well, Jill entrusted the nerdiest of us uh, with the ability to play with this technology and experiment with it. However, what she didn't know and what she probably didn't expect is to the extent of which those of us nerdiest of the bunch would play. Um, for those of you that are familiar with computers back in the day, you know, at first there were the Apple IIEs, but those were kind of BS. So that's when we started getting IBM computers. And the IBM computers that we had, yes, they ran Windows, but they started with a DOS operating system. And that DOS operating system, uh, quite frankly, even as a 6th, 7th, and 8th grader, was very, very easy to hack particularly when they don't change the passwords from the default passwords. Now, um, I will be the first to admit to you right now in the spirit of full transparency and full disclosure uh, that I've made some shitty decisions in my life. Um, I've gotten into little trouble. I've gotten into big trouble. Uh, and I've always recovered from those situations. Not that it's my intention to ever get into trouble again. God, Jesus, Lord, God forbid, because that really sucks when you get in big trouble. But um, it was just interesting, some of the things that happened. And I want to share those with you now. And the reason that I want to share those with you now is because I want to tell you about how Jill impacted my life. And I said at the beginning of this podcast that we we're going to work backwards. So we're going to, and I apologize that we haven't gotten to that point yet. I've sort of been setting the stage for the situation. So let's start backwards. Let's start at the very end, which was my eighth grade yearbook, uh, which due to, due to where we were in the school district and the number of folks that attended this school district, number one, it was interesting to believe and interesting to understand that we had a yearbook. That's number one. Number two, it's more interesting to know, probably, maybe not, that I was involved with the yearbook. I don't remember right now if I was the editor or photographer or whatever I did, but I was involved with the yearbook. Uh, but third, our, our school was so small that our yearbook was paperback. Not only was it paperback, but it was, I believe, smaller and thinner than a, a good episode, or I'm sorry, a good issue of your most recent uh, in-style magazine. It was so small, so small. But the reason that I bring the, the yearbook up is because in my eighth grade year, which was the final year at this school, because they only go to eighth grade, Jill, uh, upon my request, wrote in my yearbook. As many students do at the end of their year, when they get their yearbook, they go and they give the yearbook to the people that they want to leave an impression. And I will always remember what Jill wrote in the yearbook. Jill wrote, quote, you are the bane of my existence, unquote. And then she signed her full name, which we won't say here. She said, she said and I really hope that she's listening to this. And it, Jill, if you are, I would love to hear from you. I really like, and that's true. That's true. Um, but she wrote in my yearbook that you are the bane of my existence. Uh, and what's interesting is at the time, I didn't clearly understand what that meant. I actually had to seek assistance in order to find out what that meant. Um, and once I found out as a young boy, I kind of chuckled. And this is why I said we'd work backwards. The signature in the yearbook was the end, my friends. Setting up the barcodes was the beginning. Let's talk about what happened in the middle. 
what happened in the middle is I raised holy hell in the school district by hacking everything I could by creating viruses that went across the school network and even beyond. Uh, I didn't know this, but our school network was connected to many other school networks and they were all on kind of one big uh, district, not even district, like area wide situation, uh, a wide area network for those of you that are nerds. Um, but I didn't know that at the time. So when I created a very, a very vi a virus that was very, wasn't very malicious. It was just, uh, you know, uh, entertaining, I suppose. Um, what I didn't know is that it affected multiple uh, districts. Uh, in some and substance, what I did was um, I created a Microsoft dot Word document file that was just 99 pages of black just black, just, you know, create a big black box and make it 99 pages. And I created an automatically executing file that would execute at a certain time on a certain day. And it would print 99 copies of that 99 page document on every printer on the network. Not very malicious, uh, in my opinion, perhaps, uh, I don't know, perhaps uh, mischievous, but certainly not malicious. Uh, until I found out how many printers this affected. So I set it to run overnight on a weekend. Uh, I believe it was a holiday. I think it was Easter, which is why I'm thinking of this. Number one, Easter. Number two, Jill is is or was Jewish. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And uh, yeah, so that's how this whole conversation even came to my brain today. Anyhow, so I set this virus up and it printed these pages. If you even consider that a virus, just kind of something fun if you ask me. Uh, and, uh, so back then it's a little bit of a different story because we have really cool printers. Now, back then the printers we had are called dot matrix printers. They had ribbons on them, like a old typewriter ribbon. And in addition to having an old typewriter style ribbon, they also had what were called tractor feed holes on the side of the paper. So the paper would run through these little, little conveyor type things. Uh, that had little spikes on them, and they would guide the paper through the printer. Very entertaining. 99 copies of 99-page black. So number one, all the paper was out, and all the printers everywhere in the area. Number two, all the ink ribbon was out, and all the printers in the area. And number three, and a lot of times, even after they put new paper and a new ribbon in it, it finished the job. The printer kept on going and going and going and going and going. Because back then, nobody really understood how to clear print servers and all that. As students, we did, but Jill didn't. And a lot of the other staff didn't either. But in addition to silly things like that, we would put BIOS passwords on computers. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, it means that as soon as you turn the computer on before it even loads Windows or anything, just a little black screen comes up and wants a password. Uh, and the password was uh, only known by me. It was only known by me. Uh, frequent calls to the principal's office, frequent calls to Jill's library of shame. Uh, that's what I affectionately refer to it as now that I'm an adult. And every time this happened, and this is where it gets interesting, every time I would get called in, it would be a mix of a conversation. The conversation would go something like this. Can't believe you did something like this. Why would you be so stupid to do this? Don't you know how many people this affects? Blah, 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 blah. But how did you do it? Help us understand how you did it. 
And every time this question came up, I would answer it. I would tell them, this is exactly what I did. Not that it ever got me out of trouble, per se. I remember one very, very sensitive conversation where I thought I was going to shit my pants. Um, it wasn't thanks to Jill. It was actually thanks to the superintendent of the school, uh, who, <laughs> interestingly enough, later in life, I ended up presenting uh, to a group that he was in a part of. He was in attendance at a presentation that I did. But he read me the right act. And he faked, you know, he, he did a fake out asking his secretary to call the school's uh, attorney. You know, because calling an attorney will scare me. Uh, I've pretended to be an attorney before, even got in trouble for it. But uh, so maybe that has something to do with that conversation that I had when I was in eighth grade uh, at my school. But I doubt it. I doubt it very much. But anyway, why does this matter? It matters because... Sometimes when we make mistakes, whether we're trying to be malicious or not, and whether we make, when we do bad things, not only can we learn from those mistakes and learn from those bad things that we're doing, but so can the other people who care about us. The other people who care about us can learn from us when we make mistakes if, and only if, we are honest enough with ourselves to have an open and honest conversation with everybody about what we did. Now, I'm not saying that if you did something illegal to go out there and tell the world, oh my God, look at what I did, or what, you know, blah, 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 blah. If you cheated on your wife, probably not a good idea to go telling everybody that you did that. But what I am saying is in business, when you do something either intentional or unintentional, and it ends up blowing up in your face or it's something that you just should not have done, own up to it, have a conversation about it, because you never know how it might affect you. You never know, you, you might never know how it may affect the other people around you either. So fast forward, uh, the last time I had seen uh, Jill was in 1996 or seven. I left that school, moved on, did other things, went to college, etc. Ended up, and this is a funny story, ended up dating a girl um, in college and I was over at this girl's house, and it was pretty serious at this point. Um, we had been together for quite some time, and, you know, there was mutual feelings, etc. cetera. Um, but I was over at her family home, this girl's family home, and we were having, getting ready, actually, to have dinner. And all of a sudden, Jill, from 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, walks in the house like she owns the place. And she looks at me, and I look at her, and she, with her uh, very Jewish accent, uh, made, I don't exactly remember what she said, but I remember the sound and the cadence and the tone of her voice very well. It was something to the effect of, oh my God. <laughs> and that was a very interesting day. Turns out that Jill was best friends with the mother of the girl who I was dating. And I believe she still is to this day. That relationship didn't work out. It was all my fault. I was a complete idiot. So I haven't seen uh, Jill since then. But it was a very interesting situation because for a brief period of time, we were on, I don't know if you would say speaking terms, but we weren't exactly at each other's throats either. Not that we ever would. But when I think back about Jill and I think back about what Jill taught me indirectly, and I think what Jill learned about herself indirectly is that 
sometimes people make mistakes. Sometimes they're doing it for attention. Sometimes they're doing it for fun. Sometimes they're doing it, uh, those of us that make intentional mistakes, sometimes we're doing it just to see what we could get away with. Not that getting away with things is important or, you know, the way to go about business, but sometimes if you push yourself to the limit and see what you can, quote, get away with, unquote, maybe the things that you're getting away with are actually beneficial to somebody. What may be breaking a rule to one person might be enhancing the life of another. I make no excuses for my shitty behavior over the years. That's not what this is about. This is a story about Jill, a woman who, although she wanted to punish me, she also wanted to praise me because I was able to do some things that others were not. And I was able to do some things as a young middle school boy that she was not able to do as an adult professional media specialist librarian. You know, when I think about Jill, uh, I actually look at her as a leader. You know, not not everybody from my past that was in a leadership role was a true leader, but I do see Jill as a leader. Um, And it was very important to me to tell this story, and there's so much more to this story, but not enough time in the world. But Jill, if you are listening, thank you. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to be heard and understood. Thank you for allowing me to do things and get just so far enough where it was on the edge and you had to step in and say, hey, cut it the fuck out. Thank you for that. Thank you for writing in my yearbook. I will forever treasure it. I actually located it recently, uh, and that is indeed a treasure, so thank you. Thank you for your leadership now. I believe you're retired now but I know that you went on to do better things and and thank you for your leadership to the community. If you are somebody who is a leader or if you're somebody who wants to be a better leader or if you're somebody who meets both of those things, um, I want to give you something and I want to give it to you for free and I want to give it to you right now. Um, I am running something really cool. It is called the 10-Day Leadership Challenge. Uh, It is very simple. It is very fun and it is very free. It's a 10-day challenge where once a day I send you an email and an audio recording where you can learn a little bit of piece of something about leadership, leadership for yourself and leadership for your team. Um, If you would like more information about it, again, it's free. I don't need anything other than your name and email. I actually only need your email. I don't even need your name. Just go to thomasjlyon.com. That's Thomas, the letter J, and then Lyon with a Y. thomasjlyon.com. Click on the section where it says 10-Day Leadership Challenge. Put your info in there and press go, and it will send you it right away. You don't have to start it on any specific day. You can start it today, right now, right this second. Go to thomasjlyon.com. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I appreciate your time. Hope you're having a fantastic day, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Take care. You've been listening to the Thomas J. Lyon Podcast. Want some more? Ready to take the first step? Check out thomasjlyon.com. We'll see you next time.